What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of the Burnout Brighter Podcast. My name's Matt. I'll be your host for this evening's events. This is episode 111. I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host. Me. Destiny. Destiny. I can't remember where I put you anymore. Destiny. One of these two. Hey, guys. And on this week's podcast, I am super amped to be joined by one of the busiest people in the industry, I swear to God, with the amount of content coming from the incredible work that this person does, from the DJing to the podcast to the incredible side quest from certain point of view, we have DJ Stormageddon, aka Matt. What's going on, man? Hey, thanks guys for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Can Dude, I just what? say I love the fingernail polish? I'm sorry, Matt. I had to cut oh, you off. Yeah. I... Love. They alternate too. That looks like. so good. I need yeah, to for get those my nails can't, done. This is great content for the audio podcast media. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I, I do call twos on like seeing things all the time. Um, but yeah, no, I was uh, yesterday, a little behind the scenes yesterday was my spouse's birthday. And so we went to get our nails done together and uh, she was getting something Halloween themed. And so my thought was, well, black and purple is like Gengar-ish from Pokemon. And nice. so like that's Halloween for me. And so, yeah. No, and, I was really gonna, good. and I was gonna say, rocking the hair too. Hair yeah, looks fantastic. Yeah, like it matches. Listen, like, if anybody's only listening to the audio, go to YouTube go right to now. YouTube look at the video right, right now. Because, because <laughs> go look at it. That looks fantastic. Start yeah. to, top to bottom, start to finish. I'm I couldn't have say planned it. it to fade this well, but it did. I've done purple before, but this one is the first time where like it faded into this like weird like unicorn esque kind of like light color it just it's great i love it you're making so, me want to you're making me want to dye my hair again i used to do it all the time in high school i had like the the long uh scene sweep with the blonde streaks oh yeah i know <laughs> that look scene. that's familiar to me okay. yeah right i can even do it right now <laughs> uh, i'm gonna do it but okay matt if somebody somehow doesn't know who you are tell us a little bit about yourself and where can people find you Sure. So um, the best place to find me is on Twitter. I am uh, DJ underscore Stormageddon. Um, I go by Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon in most places, uh, though my DJ name is, in fact, DJ Stormageddon. Um, I've been a DJ for almost a decade. I've been in podcasting for about a decade. I both produce and host podcasts. <laughs> the current count is I am currently producing that are live, that are out, because there's mm-hmm. more that aren't. Um, I currently produce eight podcasts and host four podcasts. Because I'm a crazy person who hates free time. Yeah. Um, Sounds like it. (laughs) And so... Um, I, uh, as, as Matt mentioned, I am from the certain POV podcast network. Um, we have a ton of really great geeky programming and I have four shows on that network. And then I produce some shows off the network as well. And I'm working on other stuff. Plus I'm now starting to DJ live events again, as things start to slowly open up safely, small numbers, <laughs> social distancing, wearing masks. Cause I'm not a crazy person. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's kind of the elevator pitch for me. Uh, and then like all of the stuff that I do finally is on djstormageddon.com because I got tired of saying, oh, well, you can go to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Like now it's all in one place. One very well put together link tree. I love it so much. Everything looks great. So before we get any deeper into the show on this week's podcast, we're obviously going to be talking to Stormageddon, aka Matt, about all the incredible work that he's doing while also diving into some news about Nintendo Switch Online, Animal Crossing, and a whole bunch of stuff. But before we get any deeper, I always like to ask, you know, whenever we have a new guest on, something that's very important to me and Destiny is mental health. And we always like to talk about video games and the impact that they can have on mental health. So before we get any deeper, Matt, I want to ask you about a game that matters to you, a game that, you know, got you through a tough time or a game that you feel is important or deserves to be shouted out. So can you tell me about a game that matters to you? 
Absolutely. And for the list, for the listeners who aren't watching, as soon as Matt started asking the question, I knew what the question was and started to smile because I went, <laughs> crap, how am I going to pick one game? Right. Um, so I, very on brand for me, obviously, is I have a Mass Effect podcast um, uh, that recently finished the um, the entire trilogy and is get, gearing up to do a fourth season about Andromeda. Um, I would say that like the, the, there are like honorable mentions of Chrono Trigger, which is the best RPG ever made, Super Mario RPG, which is one of the funniest RPGs ever made. But like the Mass Effect trilogy is I can't just pick one of them. The whole trilogy is one of the most important games to me ever. And there's a lot of reasons for it, especially when it comes to mental health. Um, it's the it's the game that bonded me and one of my best friends who is my co-host on Reignite. It's one of those games that whenever I feel low or sad or drained, it always revitalizes me, makes me feel good. Um, it got me started on the path of like really over-obsessing about voice actors. I did it before that with folks like Stephen Bloom and, and Rob Paulson and like the greatest hits, Maurice LaMarche. But both Mark Meir and Jennifer Hale's performances as Commander Shepard like made me want to know more about voice acting and voice work and voice actors. And I could, I won't, but I could probably list 90% <laughs> of the voice actors in the Mass Effect franchise. Um, like everyone's favorite, uh, Captain Datterson, um, the incredible Keith David, who is in everything and is awesome. But um, but yeah, the, the Mass Effect trilogy means a lot to me also because it helped me re un, rediscover and understand my queerness. Um, I've been bisexual for as long as I can remember that I knew what bisexuality me meant. But it wasn't until like revisiting this game for the podcast and understanding and being more comfortable with my queerness and being more out about it that like I fell in love with a character in that like because let's be real like Mass Effect's about a lot of things, but it's mostly about romancing aliens. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually <laughs> fell in love with a non-alien character that you can romance, Caden Alenko, who doesn't get enough love in the franchise. But he's this man who is just really one of the kindest, sweetest, and quietly most powerful characters in the game who got overlooked because, you know, Ashley Williams is kind of this loud, early days bigoted character who, like, comes around sort of and, like, comes outside of, like, learns that her racism is wrong and kind of pulls through it, though the narrative doesn't support it as well as they should. But, mm -hmm. like, I really reanalyzed my queerness when I fell for Caden legitimately because the for those who don't know, um, Reignite, the whole pitch was me and my co-host Frankie, we're going to create Shepherds and play them as ourselves. So we are Commander Shepherd, and we're going to make the decisions that we would make in those situations to the best of our ability. You know, we haven't we haven't done a suicide run. We haven't had to like sacrifice people for the betterment of others. But you know, within right. reason, what we could decide. <laughs> and uh, and we promised that like we would romance with our heart. We would follow our heart. And like characters that I normally had romanced in the past, I didn't this time. I fell for a different character and followed it through. Uh, and it, it was just really interesting to confront that. But the game also just I know it so well that it always feels like home. It's you know when I'm ever feeling overwhelmed or buried like i'll just flip it on and now with the legendary edition out like i've already finished one full playthrough and i started a second playthrough to try and recapture my 360 playthrough that i don't have anymore as right. femship and like i haven't played in months but if i turned it on tomorrow whatever point i am in mass effect one i could pick up with ease because i know the whole game backwards and forwards so was coming back to the remastered trilogy, did it, did it look like you remember it looking like, did it, did it capture those feelings again? Because I feel like for me, like going back to replay a game, it's kind of hit or miss whether that game, regardless of the game that it is, whether that magic will really truly hit you as, you know, your first time. Going back to it and revisiting it in the remastered collection, like how did, how did that feel? So that's a really great question. Like luckily what's interesting is, so we just wrapped season three of Reignite 
I don't know, a couple months ago. And so the games were pretty fresh in my head just because we were replaying them for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was really nice is Mass Effect 3, to this day, holds up really well graphically. It looks phenomenal and sounds phenomenal. Jumping into the remaster, a lot of it felt more um, cohesive look-wise and sound-wise because while they couldn't revamp it completely, it wasn't a remake, they did do this thing that really made it feel like you were um, you were seeing what they wished they could have done if they all made them all at the same time as Mass Effect 3. Yeah, and that's awesome, especially like now that it's finally here. So I had never played Mass Effect before until the remastered trilogy. It's just a franchise that somehow passed me by as, as I went. But I finished the first one. I'm in the second one. And like, I am surprised by how much it's grabbing me. I love RPGs. They're like, they're like my thing, but I'm more towards the JRPG side than the Western RPGs. But Mass Effect has this, and I can't really describe what it is, but it has this certain pull to it that just makes you want to keep going with it. And like, I'm really, really enjoying it. So thank you for telling us about a game that matters to you because this is always so fun learning about people through this. I love so, I love it so much. All right, well, let's let's mosey on over into a a bit of what's new. Destiny, I'm going to start with you this week because I, I want to ask what's new Lovely. what's been going on what have you been up to i can see um, you just sitting there being like fuck don't ask me don't ask me. So <laughs> obviously i have to come to you first what's going on um so you know shit shit's happening things <laughs> right are, things are happening i have decided to de- delete all of my dating apps <gasps> like i did that <gasps> last night i just can't anymore guys i don't I blame can't. you oh my god I people don't blame are such you fucking idiots yep all right um <laughs> <laughs> yep. which by the way if you want if you're one of the the guys that came over here from from them please keep listening we love you fuck off no mind fuck off yeah fuck off yeah fuck off delete your reviews get out of here <laughs> so i deleted all of those um i got into some elder scrolls Nice. I'm just going to say I think they are the ugliest characters I have ever played in an MMO. <laughs> no hate to anybody who loves them, but I just, oh, they're so ugly. Is but it Elder Scrolls Online it. that you're in? Yeah, Elder Scrolls yeah. Online. Yeah. So I'm playing that with like an old roommate and stuff. She's still trying to convince me that like they look good. So she bought us all outfits. So now we all look like Destiny's Child running around. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll randomly stop and like play the lute and like the drums and the flute. And then people start dancing around us and we're like, yeah, yeah, the goal. No, but um, (laughs) so started playing that. um, And... I finished that weird series I told you about, the Grim oh, yeah. story where they get their heads cut off. Is that the new Netflix pre- one? It's, yeah. Is that the one? Because I, I heard a little bit more about it now, and it's kind of like, damn, it sounds weird as hell. No, it's, I mean, like, it's based off of a book. So, and you know, Grimm's fairy tales aren't actually supposed to end the way Disney does it. They actually yeah. end pretty fucking yeah. terrible, like a lot of bad shit happens. But they do it very well. It's, it's really cool. And, um, yeah, just that. That's... That's what I've been doing. Oh, I went shopping. <gasps> nice. And I posted what I got. No, I did. I, I didn't wear any of it today, but I found this. I love hoodies. So if anybody knows, like I'm like a hoodie fanatic. So even on the dating apps, people are like, oh, like I noticed that you wear a lot of hoodies. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So stop I, trying I, to see what I'm. I look like naked. Like just. Okay. <laughs> I think I think my favorite one was uh, what was it? I think it was the wedding after party that we did in Korea after Kisena and I's Korea wedding. So we had an after party at a bar, and Destiny messaged me. She's like, 
it's, it's cool if I'm coming in a hoodie, right? I was like, I didn't expect anything else. <laughs> that was that was the expectation nice. from the beginning. I looked cute in it, whatever. You did. So, let me just tell you this quick story. Hopefully, the person I went on the date with will never listen to this. But okay, so I wore a hoodie <laughs> to the date. It was a cute hoodie. It was like, I had Mickey Mouse on it. Anyway, so I wore it, and like he was like, he said something about my boobs. I can't remember how it came up, but he was like, I'm trying to figure boobs. out. Like that? No, no, no. <laughs> he it. was like, I'm trying to guess. No, I asked him what he was doing. I don't know how it came up, but he was like, I'm trying to guess what size you are or whatever under your hoodie, right? Yo, men suck. Yeah. I know. I, uh. I know. So um, I was like, oh, I was like, all right, what, what size do you think I am? Yeah, like, I'm going with it. I had a dirty martini, whatever. What size sure. do you think I am? <laughs> this is like a super baggy hoodie, right? So tell me why he guessed my exact size. And I was like, you must have been staring at me at every point of the day when I turned oh. this way, when I raised my hand, like to get that. Is that not insane? Is that uh, not yeah. insane? Like you're that on a date insane. with somebody and they're trying to picture what size your breasts are under your hoodie. Like that's crazy. And what's even more crazy, I went on a second date with him. I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah, I was going to say that is also I thought it crazy. was funny. I thought it was funny. And it could have been the martini. I don't yeah. know. Anyways, yeah. so we're done with that. We're done with all that. <laughs> but back to my shopping. I got this amazing T-shirt with the Care Bear on it, and it yeah. says "Emotionally nice. Exhausted." Yeah. Yes. yes. So Fuck good. Yes. Oh, that's so great. good. I love that. And then I got a hoodie that's like a throwback to Pac-Man. So it has Pac-Man, and then on the back it has like the the retro style um, arcade machine, oh, like the nice. first one. Dope. And then the next one I got was of all the characters from Nickelodeon. So it's in black and white. And then it has like Rocco and Angelica and like all oh, of those yes. cartoons. It That's even so has sick. Recess. It's on nice. there too. Yes. All that stuff. Yes, Recess. Yes, it's pretty dope. Vindication, best <laughs> show ever. And then for Christmas, my friend bought me because I didn't want to buy it. It was like $50. And she's like, do you want it for Christmas? And I was like, of course okay. I do. I got a jean jacket. I have a lot of jean jackets, but it's a Rugrats jean jacket. <laughs> oh, perfect. Excellent. My mind just flashed back to all the drunk walks that we would take walking around like these little alleyways and shops. She's like, I just want a jean jacket. Just want a jean jacket. And you bought a jean like, jacket and you were happy. I have like eight of them. I know. I I'm trying wow. to bring it back. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a I lot. love that. I mean, I, I have one jean jacket and like I love my jean jacket. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I, I will support your hoodie love. I love a good sweatshirt. Thank I recently, la I think it was earlier this year. I can't, what is time anymore? Um, <laughs> I was obsessed with the TV show Shits Creek. And nice. so, and I love, I, I have such a massive crush on, um, the guy who plays David Rose. I'm blanking on his name, uh, Dan Levy. And yes. so, um, one of, one of, and there was an Etsy seller selling his lightning book, lightning bolt like sweatshirt that he wears in one of the episodes and so Aww, my spouse got, got it for it, me right? and yeah oh hell yeah i did um, that's awesome but, but also like i own a replica of shepherd's leather jacket male shepherd's leather jacket in the third mass effect game um i also yes have the legendary edition of the uh re remaster so i have the stupid helmet uh, it's amazing <laughs> and i love that's it incredible um yeah so like i get it like outerwear like i love outerwear Thank I wear you. a good flannel especially in the fall like <gasps> yeah nothing better that is me that's so me i just need somebody to appreciate me and my hoodie love because I, I appreciate like you someone the who fuck? not like you like wow let a me different kind, a somebody different single of. thank you yeah. calm down I get it. cupcake I get it. <laughs> like, no, my cupcake is ruined. 
But yeah, that's all I did. Matt, what have you been up to? Which Matt are you asking? Oh yeah, I forgot there's two Matts here. <laughs> two now, yeah. I'm slowly okay. collecting like a bunch of mats so that one day when you can't be on the show, we're just going to have a four-mat podcast. Oh, my God. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm already in. If you'll yes, have me, I knew it. Sweet. Hell yeah. All right. Matt Swinsky. Dang. What have you been up to? Uh, <laughs> I have been absolutely obsessed with Lost Judgment. I finished Metroid nice. Dread last week, uh, and Lost Judgment was the one that I was like, once I finish Tales, once I'm finished with Metroid, I'm going to swing back around to it because it came out just a few weeks ago, and I am in love with it. I love everything that RGG Studios does. Uh, Yakuza 7 is currently my game of the year. Uh, and like, I'm, it's really funny for me to think that, you know, the top five realistically will have two games from the same studio, which came out within the same, you know, uh, calendar year, but it's fantastic so far. I really like what they're doing with the story. They're making it a much, much different experience compared to what the original judgment was. Like now you're in a school and you're dealing with like, you know, a lot of bullying and stuff, which is, you know, sidebar a little bit hilarious because of course you're in a school and it's like a middle school or a high school. And like, obviously there's some, you know, shitty teenagers. So like, how do they get around beating the shit out of shitting teenagers? Uh, he develops a new fighting style. That's based entirely just around like throwing and, and kind of holding people out. So you're not actually beating the shit out of them, but you can just switch to that fighting style anyway, and then beat the shit out of them. So <laughs> really, but in terms of like the actual story, it's super interesting and super well done. They've like really nailed down their, their hooks that come in at the end of every chapter and just being like, Oh crap, I need to start the next one right away. Combat feels fantastic. Everything's so good. I just, I love that studio so much. And it's just, I'm just so happy every time a new uh, RGG studios games comes out. And now we finally got a day and date. We got a worldwide release date. So I'm so stoked about that. Hopefully that'll be the new, standard going forward and destiny uh something that will make you very happy and i'm not sure matt if you've played it uh, i've just literally picked up eastward oh, on switch well, i got so much to say about it. i though. wanted really? to buy eastward oh, yeah. i haven't done it yet matt don't play it without me let's do a review <laughs> of it okay yeah like i literally just picked it up and like i just because i kept seeing i just recently picked up the oled with metroid and i was kind of like what's next what do i want to play after this and eastward is something that's been on our radars for a little while and everybody kept saying like how incredible it looks on the OLED. So I was like, all right, you know what? I have some eShop points, you know, the, the coin saved up. This mm -hmm. is what I'll use it for. Uh, and I literally put like five minutes into it so far. I haven't really done anything with it, but like already the colors look bright and beautiful. The art style, super, super interesting. Like I love the way so the game totally looks. totally my type of game. I'm debating 100%. on whether to get it on my Switch or to get it on Steam. I don't know. Switch, which Switch is Twitch, better. Do it. It runs okay. like a dream. It's made for that console. I promise okay. you. And I played it before I got my OLED, so it still looks gorgeous on the regular Switch if you don't okay. have an OLED. I might so, break open my new Switch for it then. You should. You should finally unbox that thing. Um, but Matt, so okay, you've played Eastward. You finished it. What? I've, give us kind I've of finished. surface level surface level thoughts. Sure. So first, I'm going to give you guys a scoop. Huh? You'll be the first. My audience, if they listen, will learn this through you. Oh, um, I love it. An hour ago, I recorded a an episode of Fun and Games with my co-host Jeff, and we interviewed um, Joel Corlitz, who made the soundtrack. He's the composer of Eastward. He's also That's done incredible. stuff for Halo and Death Stranding and The Unfinished Swan and like Tumbleseed. Wow. Amazing. Um, we just recorded that interview. It'll probably be out in about six weeks because we have a backlog. But uh, yeah, so... Um, I thought I knew what my favorite soundtrack of the year was. It was Boyfriend Dungeon until I played Eastward. It has the best soundtrack I've heard in a video game in the last decade. I wow, that's high praise. Okay, yeah, that's especially if you like like synth and like like sixteen bit, eight bit sounding yes. music. Yeah. You are gonna love this soundtrack. I promise you. Um, 
the game is great. It is it has flaws, but for the most part, nothing that like breaks the experience. But it is a functionally, it feels like an earthbound as far as aesthetics and comedy <gasps> and humor. And mechanically, it is a clone of top-down Zelda. Like your combat, like the puzzle solving is a little more intricate than that. But it you have you get bombs in it, you your main weapon for the main character is a frying pan, which is <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, it is it is aesthetically one of my favorite experiences of the year. It's not my um, it's not my game of the year, and you'll learn more about that when we talk about what I've been playing. But like, mm-hmm. it is up there. It's in my top ten. Um, if you like retro games and especially indie games that try and capture the retro aesthetic, like your shovel nice. knights and your shantes, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, then you will love this game. I promise. Absolutely. Oh. I follow Chucklefish and everything that they put out. That's <laughs> so, what made me buy it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to dig into it. I'll, but D, D, I will, I will, I'll wait till you buy it and then we'll, we'll go through yeah, it together. Yeah, I'll buy it tonight. So proud of you. Uh, I Matt, know. <laughs> Matt, what about you? What's been going on? So I've been a busy bee uh, besides making too many podcasts. Uh, I have been play. So I, I bought, so a little background. I am probably one of the biggest Metroid fans, 2D Metroid fans. I've not yet played the Metroid Prime trilogy, and now I'm waiting for that inevitable collection they'll release when Prime 4 comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never played another M for obvious reasons. So, But (laughs) the 2D franchise, like something you have to understand is when they announced Dread, I missed the initial time it was canceled. And Metroid Fusion is my favorite game of all, one of my favorite games of all time. It's one of the best 2D games ever made. It's got some of the best horror elements in a 2D game ever made. And so, like, I loved that game. And so when mm-hmm. the Direct happened and they, it, Metroid 5 showed up on the screen, I lost my goddamn mind. And so <laughs> I've been anticipating Metroid Dread since the day it was announced. And so it came out, whatever it was, a week ago, two weeks. Like I said, what's time? It doesn't make sense anymore. Um, but I've been obsessed with it. And so I played it and I beat it last week, uh, earlier this week, and I loved it. It's it's to me the perfect Metroid experience. I know a lot of people have issue with some of it, but like for a Metroid fan who wanted another Metroid game, it is the mm-hmm. perfect version of what this team has been building, especially since I played Samus Returns shortly before on my 3DS, which I also loved and absolutely now feels like a demo for this game, which is better in every way. Um, so I, I've been playing that and then... I also, once I finished that, so I have an OLED switch. I got it at launch. Um, I pre-ordered it uh, way back. Looks gorgeous. I'm someone who predominantly plays handheld on my couch. And like, I was I was concerned about it. Like, I was like, oh, is, do I really need the upgrade? I have a launch switch and the battery dies fast. And it were like, the fan's really loud. But I was like, you know what? I'm treating myself. Why not? And mm-hmm. then I got it. And I booted up Metroid for the first time, which I waited to play Metroid a couple days, like until I had the switch in my possession. It's one of the most gorgeous screens I've ever seen on a device ever. Um, and Metroid looks great. And then, so once I finished Metroid, I was like, all right, let's go back and play some Switch games I haven't finished. Because like everyone else, my my Switch games list library is much like my Steam library now. Too many games, and I've only played half of them. Yep. Um, and so I, with all of the hype of, around Bayonetta 3, I was like, well, I have Bayonetta 1, and I fell off, and I can't remember why. So let me pick up Bayonetta 1 and like and try playing it again. And I fell in love with it. This game is the most bonkers, ridiculous, nutso thing ever. And like you have to understand Devil May Cry is one of my favorite franchises. So like nice. it's more of that nonsense. And also like like I, like I know I'm a dude, but like from the queer scene, at least Bayonetta, I can see why she's become this icon because while she is overly sexualized, 
by most of the men in the game, she has never lets them demean her. And she is always completely in control and in power of everything. And everything you see and don't see is because she has decided it's so. And like, mm. it's just so empowering um, to see that. And, I, and I, I haven't asked a lot of women who've played the game or people who identify more feminine who play the game, how they feel. But the gist I get is that that's kind of like an agreed through line about this character is that she's just empowering and brilliant and, and she's not dumbed down. She's not a bimbo. She's mm -hmm. like, she's a powerful, confident, incredible character who can just get shit done. Um, like Xena. Like Xena. Hell yes. Oh, I love Lucy Lawless. Don't yeah. get me started. Um, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't really? Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I've been playing that. I'm about halfway through it. And if, I think I'll end up pulling the trigger on the sequel because I'm really enjoying the first one. Um, besides that, today, just today, I started playing Wildermyth, which is a Steam game. So good. Mm -hmm. It's very good. Um, I am very lucky to have been provided with a code by their PR firm. Um, and so I will probably be doing a future episode with a member of the team for Fun and Games, hopefully. Um, but I, I've, I'm only like an hour and a half in, but it's incredible. It's so much fun. Um, I've followed in the footsteps of a lot of my friends in the industry, and I'm creating characters based on people who want to be created in it. So I've made a few friends of mine already. Um, I didn't make myself, which I surprised myself. And so probably <laughs> when I recruit someone next, I'll make myself. Um, but it's 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 brilliant. It's what I want from a like real time, not real time strategy, like a tactical RPG with mm -hmm. D, D elements. Like it just it it's so tight, and the music is gorgeous. It's um, like it's a lot of fun. Like yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised at a lot of it. Like it kept surprising me. I think that's the thing about Wildermyth is like at every turn I was kind of like, okay, I know where this is heading or I know what it's about to do. And then they do something and you're like, the fuck? Wait, what? <laughs> it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. I'm excited to spend more time with it and to talk with someone from the team, but, uh, but it's been really great. And then I've been playing destiny two on and off. Um, I'm excited for the Halloween event and I'm excited for the new expansion. That's what got me playing again. The paid expansion coming out in February. Um, and I think that's really it. Um, how do you have game. time? How do you have time <laughs> for all this between producing all these podcasts, recording all these more, and then still playing an incredible amount of games, dude, Jesus Christ. Good on you, man. Cause that's, how do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's in chunks. I mean, I also like, I was like, you mentioned, um, uh, lost judgment earlier. I became, Last year, I became obsessed with the Yakuza series. I'd never played it. And then I played Yakuza Zero on a recommendation based mm -hmm. on my friend Derek, who did a side quest episode. And I was like, this game is incredible. Now I want to play the whole franchise. And I just finished six a couple months ago. So like I played the entire franchise. And then I booted up and installed seven and started playing it. And I enjoyed it. But I mm -hmm. think I hit my fatigue wall finally yeah. with the franchise. And so I was like, I'll come back to this. I, I resolved Kiryu Kazuma's story. I can come back to it. With this new character, with Ichiban, yep. in a little while and take a break. Yeah, uh, I I started to do the same thing where I started with zero and then did Kiwami one, did Judgment, did Kiwami two, and then I was kind of like, ah, oh, like I'm going to get. I know I have like I have the remastered trilogy already purchased, so I know I'm mm -hmm. going to do three, four, five, and six. But I was kind of like, seven just came out <laughs> and I don't want to wait. It's turn based, and yeah, no, I, I you're gonna love it. But yeah, definitely, I I give myself a couple months in between each of the. RGG Studios games just because they're, they're long and they're heavy. Yeah, they're super heavy. And like some of the most brilliantly written games I've ever played. It's wild. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. um, like like the end of the end of what was it five broke me like it's just beautifully sad in the best way um i won't spoil it um because mm-hmm. i think they're worth experiencing also like the ending of zero i didn't see coming a mile away and absolutely ruined me like yeah. all of the the these studios games have that moment towards the beginning of the final act where they just destroy you emotionally mm-hmm. every time and without fail i wail and cry like a baby like it just ruins me yeah um I'm an emotional video game player, uh, but uh, like, but, but besides that, I also played um, Lost Legacies recently. The only Uncharted game I'd never played nice. that was phenomenal. Um, Chloe should be the main character forever now. Like, mm-hmm. I like Nathan Drake, but like Chloe's just a better character, I think. Um, and I loved her in her supporting role in the other games. And then, like, I still have time sometimes to watch stuff. My, the the pastime that my spouse and I have together is we'll watch shows together. So, like, we're caught up nice. on the final season of Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I loved. And while, like, the rest of the country had started to take issue with it being a show about cops, as we mm-hmm. all should be with those narratives now, they wrapped it up in a way that made sense and still acknowledges the problems in modern policing and all of that to the best of yep. their ability. Um, I've been. I started the new season of Doom Patrol, which is one of the best oh, superhero shows ever made. Um, and then what else? Oh, I. And then I've been obsessed with Venom Two: Let There Be Carnage because I like monster fucking. I'm a monster fucker. I've said it on the <laughs> air. And also, the love story between Eddie Brock and Venom in that those movies is the one of the best queer love stories ever told. And you know, representation. Let There Be uh, Carnage was a lot of fun. I had a really great time with it. My my. my thing about it is i like venom venom is one of my favorite characters of all time he is boring in the early comics like he's just an edgy 90s Mm -hmm. i can smash stuff and eat people character and these movies characterized him he's sarcastic he's funny the whole club scene is just perfect um yeah like i have friends who don't like it and i think i pitched this on my my tv movie podcast screen snark but the reason it's a great superhero movie is because it's doing what no other superhero movie will the Guardians of the Galaxy movies come close, but this is literally gonzo filmmaking and they don't care. And like, especially in the second one, which was directed by Andy Serkis, like, mm-hmm. which is wild as a sentence. Um, <laughs> like, they just don't care. They're just being funny. They're being wild. They're being goofy as hell. And like, like uh, Tom Hardy and, and Woody Harrelson are on another goddamn level in that movie. Yeah. Like, it's just bonkers so yeah so that's that's mostly what i've been doing lately nice, uh, i'm that's sure there's awesome. a, i'm sure there's other things but i am already exhausted talking about <laughs> <laughs> well it's a good thing that we're going to move into our you know the main topic of the show which is about you so that you know that'll get Great. you to not talk much at all but so kind of where i wanted to start with this and where i kind of always like to start conversations with the new guest on is how did you get into it what what like you know what what is the origin story for you becoming a content creator for you kind of dipping into this field and like what was the objective and where are you at now comparably like what how did you start and why so i mean there are a lot of reasons i think why i, I started and why i was inspired i mean i started so long ago that the word content creator wasn't common vernacular <laughs> yeah i'm an old man um but you know i i listened to a lot of podcasts in the early days um some creators who have now turned out to be shitbags and i don't listen to anymore others mm. like um, kevin pollack and mark Marin. Mark Maron, it depends on the day whether I like him or not, but like Kevin Pollack and like other comedians, like I loved listening to people tell stories and interview people. And I was like, oh, I mean, I can do that. Like, I like to talk, especially about things I like. I never mm-hmm. shut up about. So like, how can I do this? 
And one of one of my best friends um, was like, well, asshole, you're a nerd about music. Why don't we just do a music podcast? Because that'll be really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so two of my friends and I started Crash Chords, which was a music review podcast. Uh, my friend Steve Nagel and uh, John Sanders. And uh, it was a weekly show every Monday. We would release an episode where we rev- we would break an album down track by track and then kind of give it an overall review and then talk about a topic within the music scene. Um, we did it for many years. We released over 200 episodes. And wow. then awesome. as our schedule started to get more diverse and like we were working on different stuff and people moved away or were just going to different parts of their career, we ended up retiring it. During the course of that show, though, I launched uh, Crash Chords Autographs, which is now CPOV Autographs. It switched platforms, but which was an interview series. And that was literally, if that asshole Chris Hardwick can do it, who can go fuck himself now, then I can do it. And so I started doing it. And boy, if you go listen to autographs, don't listen to the first 50 episodes. They are awful. The sound quality, the editing, like it's just a mess. But I got this passion for interviewing and I've been doing it for I don't know how many years now. We just released episode 170 something, I think. Um, But like I found this passion for talking to people about what they love doing. And so that kind of really guided me wanting to do more things. And like all of my other shows, so the interview series was born out of the selfish need to do what I've seen others do and try and do it better. It was this weird thing. Like I'm not a confident nerd, but when it came to this, I found my confidence. Nice. Um, and like, that's kind of the beginnings. And then when I kept doing it, I was like, all right, well, I can talk about other stuff too. And so like Reignite, which is my Mass Effect podcast I mentioned earlier, is literally born out of my co-host Frankie going, we're obsessed with these games. We should talk about them. Let's do it. And like, we came up with the pitch of like making it personal, talking about what has aged well, what hasn't, like why these games are so personal to us. And that has been great. And with my video game podcast, Fun and Games, like it's a two-part story. So Fun and Games, the base show that I do with Jeff Moonen, it's literally our spouses, the Sarahs, because both of our spouses are named Sarah. <laughs> um, we were all hanging out and the two of us were talking very exuberant and loudly about video games. And I believe Jeff's spouse, Sarah, went, oh, why don't the two of you just start a podcast or something? And we're like, you know what? Maybe we will. Yeah. And so Light we ball. did. And many, many, and over 100 episodes later, we're still doing it. And then SideQuest, which, Matt, you've done a great episode for, which I really loved, about Mega Man Battle Network, which is a franchise that I've loved from a distance, but I tried playing and just didn't understand. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was born out of... Whenever Paper Mario, the newest one, Origami King, was announced, they released a screenshot of the battle system, and there was a long thread of people crapping on it and the franchise because they haven't been as good as Thousand Year Door or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I read that and got enraged. I was like, it's a screenshot. Why are you bashing a game you literally know nothing about? Mm -hmm. Like, how, like, are we that jaded as gamers? Like, Sorry, I dropped the G word. Like, we need another way to describe people who play video games than gamer because I feel like that that term is tainted to like the worst of the worst. Yeah, Yeah. just there. But like, I saw that and it made me so mad. I was like, I want a place where people can, without judgment, talk about a game they love for a limited amount of time and like really just pitch it why they love this game and like that that inspired side quests, which is the side series within the fun and games feed that you did. And like it just grew from there. And what really got it off the ground is I played the game Control. I'd never played a Remedy game before. 
and I when I beat that game, I went, this is one of the greatest games I've ever played. I need to tell everyone about it. How do mm-hmm. I tell everyone about it? And so the debut episode of SideQuest was me talking about Control, which I went back to and listened to recently and went, I talked nothing about the plot on purpose, but like, how could someone listen to this? I'm making like no sense. <laughs> um, but like, it was born out of this, this idea that everyone judges what everyone else does online so much. And like, careful critique is important, but like, if I posted that I love the game Prey, uh, put out by Arcane Studios, and then your immediate reply tweet, which this has happened recently, is, yeah, I didn't really like that game. This is why, and this is the problem, which is fair to say, right. I suppose, but like, I'm sharing that I love this. Why are you telling me you don't like it? We're not having a conversation about the game. But even worse so is like people talking about like Fortnite, for example, which everyone likes to pick on, you know, it's the big hip thing. But like, mm-hmm. I have a friend, I had a friend who genuinely loved Fortnite because it was a way he, they could hang out with their friends. And so they did an episode about it. And I I played some Fortnite, but like that episode made me want to play Fortnite because it's judgment-free space where you can love a game and just talk about why you love it. And I thought that was so important to the game space. And I've had some incredible creators come on and do it. And I have more in the works. And like, I just love that everyone's identified with this idea. Talking about burnout and talking about mental health, like it's so hard depending on your audience to talk about what you love online because someone's just gonna come at you and go, you're an idiot. That's shit. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. And it's like, I don't, I don't want that. I want to tell you why I love this because I love it. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But like, yeah. you don't have to poo poo my good time. It's so funny because I think side quests, at least for myself, really gave me an avenue to be like, why do I care about this thing? I know I care about this thing, but how do I tell somebody else about it? Which is why Destiny, like you really should do an episode because I feel like your perspective on especially something like Streets of Rage is so interesting and so much, it would be so much fun <laughs> to listen to. Seriously though, like I'm, I'm being dead serious. I so do, like- I am obsessed with Streets well, of Rage. Well, Streets of Rage is the best beat em up series ever made. Thank you, so thank you, right. thank you, thank you. The second, game, the second game is the best in the franchise. Yes! <laughs> And the new game, the new game was a nice return to form, but missed the mark. I felt a little bit. It was still fun, but mm-hmm. like two, two is great. One is okay. Two is great. Three is good, but like two, two Axel, is my favorite. Yes, I mean absolutely. That whole, the whole cast, the music, the gameplay. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh. I'm with you. I'm with best you. friends. So, so that's best what I mean. Like, I, I, do you, you need to do it because like your perspective is so interesting when it comes to that. But what I, what I really love about side quests and like kind of where I wanted to ask you specifically about that. Where did the idea come from to have each episode handled by somebody else? Because I feel like I, I feel like we get a lot of the oh, I want to make the internet a little bit of a better place through video games. It's part of the reason we started. But I think there's 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 a stroke of brilliance on being like, I want you to talk about the thing you care about. Where was that idea born? To instead of like you know instead of taking it all upon yourself again and again and again, where did it start to be like you know what? Let's just get people on the internet to talk about stuff that they love because I feel like it's such a breath of fresh air in the way that you can do it. I mean, there were a lot of reasons. The, the 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 easiest one was I, though queer, am a white guy, and there's enough of me everywhere. And I already make too much content by myself. And like, you know, I'm queer and I'm Jewish, so like I hit, you know, I hit outside of just white guy. But like mm-hmm. my logic was I want to share these stories, but I want to share these stories with folks from a diverse background who you don't see everywhere. And like even more importantly, is like you guys have a platform. I have a platform. Lots of my friends have a platform. My proudest moments is that I have app episodes scattered through the whatever 111 we've done so far of people who are just fans, people who just play games, who I know through Twitter, who are like, yeah, I want to do an episode and who do a great job recording too. Like I edit these, but most folks do a great job on their own. 
so representation was part of it. Like I wanted something more of a rainbow of what the actual gaming community looks like. And then on top of that, I was like, I don't want to do game reviews. And like, if I'm doing all of them, I can, ne I could never touch or think of every game that's out there. What's the mm -hmm. great thing about side quests is like, I have a list of like a hundred or like over 200 games that are claimed, but I don't have that many episodes submitted. And I can't even remember every person who submitted what they want to do. But mm -hmm. I've realized it doesn't matter if one game never gets an episode. There are literally a limitless and endless amount of games that are to be talked about on this. And so like it was it was this idea of tackling something so massive and it would be more fun, more help. And also, lastly, I'm an independent podcaster. I want to support other independent podcasters. And I'd much rather have Matt come on and talk about Burnout Brighter, a fantastic mm -hmm. podcast about gaming and mental health, while also talking about a thing he loves because if Matt intros himself by talking about Burnout Brighter and then goes into a thing he deeply cares about and gets emotional about, someone will either go, that was cool, and move on, or go, wow, I really like this guy. Let me see what else he's doing, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's the best way for someone to personally plug for themselves. And like I tell people to plug at the top of the episode, and people do it to varying degrees, but like the whole episode is an ad for this person, the person they are. And like I've learned so much about my friends who have done episodes as well, just by how they talk about these games. It's, it was, it, I like that Mario, Paper Mario, which for the record, Origami King is not a perfect Paper Mario, but it's a hell of a lot of fun and people it's need really to get good. out there. They need to get off their high horse. Um, speaking of games, I've yet to finish. I'm on like the last <laughs> area of that game I've been for ages. I need to go back. But like, that was the inception point that like started it. And then I think I just kind of ran with it. And like, I'm inspired by other gaming podcasts I love, like Waypoint and Channel F and all the stuff that Fanbyte's doing and, you know, Giant Bomb and like how they've tackled things. And so I wanted something that I could call my own that is kind of born out of those communities that I've come up in myself. And it's something that, you know, Destiny and I have talked a lot about, um, especially like this kind of you know, a rising tide raises all ships, right? Like there's, yeah. there's so much competition in this space to be like, if I'm doing it, you can't do it because I have to be better than you to do it. But otherwise, you know, we, we both can't succeed. And I know like, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how like, it's so important to have these spaces where we can uplift each other rather than just focusing on, you know, solo, you know, being the best because yeah, what's the point, right? Like, I don't know, Destiny, what do you think? I mean, I absolutely agree. I love the fact that like you are looking outside of your yourself and like out of the like white male, I'm sorry, I'm going to drop the G word gamer and like <laughs> wanting to use your platform for like more diverse, whether that be like the LGBTQ plus, I always say that wrong. But you guys know what I mean. I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I always like get the words mixed up. I mean, the letters mixed up. But um, that and just like diversity across the board when it comes to different races, because like we're all playing games. Like I guarantee you there's somebody from each racial background, religion or whatever that has played a game and has enjoyed it. And we need to stop focusing on just one group of people. So yeah. I think that's really wonderful. And the fact that like you get to just talk about something you really love. You don't even have to be like, cause I'm not like a super gamer, like, like you, you like you, the, the, the two mats, yeah. I'm more of a casual gamer. And most of my game love comes from games that I would coach co-op with my little brother, like way sure. back in the day before gamer was even a term. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, yeah. So, well, I mean, so also like, that's who I'm geared to. First of all, casual gamer is not a real word. All gamers are the same. I hate Thank that nonsense. You. 
if you play a game on your phone, you're a gamer. If you play a game on a console, you're a gamer. If you play it on your Apple TV, you're a gamer. I don't care. It's all the same. I will mm-hmm. get up on my soapbox. Like, I hate that <laughs> No, I appreciate it. Because, yeah. like, like, you know, sometimes talking to people, they're just like, oh, you don't play this. You haven't played this. You and I'm like, mm. no. But those are not. We actually had, like, a huge argument one time with a person on. And I got really mad because he was like, well, the, the kind, kind of like, he was like, kind of the games you like aren't really, like, game games like there's no real challenge and i was like what the fuck is that supposed to mean gaming is not about the challenge it's about right. the experience it's... you draw from it oh mm. God. that's it that's Thank it you. yeah i wish you had been on <laughs> I, I got I, really I, heated <laughs> you, you you had every right to yeah like I, I will beat it into the heads of this industry that anyone can play games and anyone can love games. We don't call people who read books a booker. We don't call people who watch <laughs> movies a movier. Like we don't call like it's just gaming that has this nonsense. And so like there should be no gatekeeping to anything. You can do it if you want to, and that's it. And it's why like my spouse doesn't play a lot of video games, but when we find a game that we love playing together, it's so much fun. I got the PS5 and the package I got came with the the new Little Big Planet style game, Sackboy's Adventure. And like, mm-hmm. she doesn't play a lot of platformers, but we had so much fun playing that game. You know, we played a lot of narr- narrative driven games together. She loves What Remains of Edith Finch. She loves West of Loathing. Like, I think, and I think that makes her as much of a gamer as anyone else who plays way more games and only AAA games. Like, there's so many different kinds of games now that you can't right? seriously say that's not enough of a game. Just like, let people enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Just let people enjoy what they enjoy and like stop being dicks about it. I'm like one of those people who like just watches other people play games as well because I'm like, I love that. I I watch why Twitch is successful because of that. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. I mean, like that's your feelings right here are exactly why I started SideQuest is for people like you. So I'm so glad that we have this common, like we all agree with this viewpoint and like, Twitch, like I stream, I haven't streamed as much in the last few months, but like I was, I have been and will be again when I stream a featured Fuser streamer. Fuser is a game that like I am a real life DJ and I am also a music nerd. And when that got announced, I'm like, oh, so it's rock band without peripherals, but I can mix music. Nice. Like, yes, let's go. And like the fact that I've worked with harmonics and had conversations with the developers still feels like a fantasy to me um, <laughs> because like I'm OG, like I play Guitar Hero 1 on my PS2, mm-hmm. but like you wouldn't say that Fuser isn't a game just because I'm just mixing music, freestyling and like not really playing the mechanics, whatever that means. Like it's all, if you're playing it, it's a game period, end of story. And so like, I'm really proud if, if even like a fraction of people feel the way you both do about side quests, like I I've, I've completed what I've set out to do, you know, because that's at the end of the day, what the goal of that series was. And would I love it to be more than that or to partner with bigger companies? Of course. Hell yeah. But like, Ultimately, I want a space where people can just feel comfortable being who they are on any level. And and that's what like it's it's always so awesome because when I say when I saw you put the call out for side quest, right? All I ever saw is like this is one of the greatest things I've ever done. I've had so much fun doing this. It allowed me to really, you know, dive in and understand what it was about these things that I cared about. And it's a beautiful space. So that's why I like I wanted to give you kudos, especially for side quest, just because I think it takes a lot of a person to say, hey, this is what I want to create, but I want to let so many other people into the shared space so that we can build it together. That's incredible. And that's that's and that's amazing. So kind of where I, where I wanted to go you know, next is actually over to the DJ stuff while we're talking about music. How did that start? Where, where did you kind of say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to start making music because I feel like it's 
making music is so difficult, no matter how you're doing it and like putting things together, it's, it's incredibly difficult. So how did you get your start and like where, and how did it feel playing your first show now, probably in quite some time, like all these feelings together. Tell me about them. So, I mean, my DJing started and has mostly been live mixing, but mostly just kind of like curating evenings. So my the, the way I got exposed to DJing is there's a, a, a very active burlesque scene in New York, and I was friends with a couple of producers. And so like at first I started just going to kind of shows and checking out the artistry and the nerdery because like, like, yes, it's people getting naked, but I've seen people do burlesque acts to car alarms, do burlesque acts as a living D&D character sheet, do burlesque acts as oh my Valentine God. from Cowboy Bebop. Like, it's ah, a nerdy space. It. But, like, um, I, I met this troupe, and, like, I started doing the door for them and helping them, you know, just manage stuff in the space. And then eventually, like, for running the shows, they would always have someone playing the music for the performers, and some they needed help, so I stepped in. And so, like... I, they would send me the music. I'd put it in a playlist in spot in, in iTunes. And then the day of the show, I'd just like press space bar whenever the timing was right for them to start their act. Um, but as time went on, they started producing nerdier and nerdier burlesque shows. And one day I asked uh, one of the performers, Nasty Canasta, who I've been a very good friend of for a long time. I was like, hey, we're doing a, like, I think it was a superhero themed show. I was like, do you mind if I like make a playlist like about superheroes with songs for movies of superheroes? Like, yeah, sure. And like then that I just ran with it, like themed playlists for every show. Like it became a thing I got hired for to DJ these shows, which was great. Um, and then after that, I was like, well, I mean, I know how to mix. I know how to play. Maybe I'll start doing private events. And that's when it really like took off, took off. I mean, I'm still an independent DJ, but like I started doing weddings and parties and corporate events. And like mostly I curate an evening. Like I put together playlists based on what people want or if they don't know what they want, I figure it out. I'm pretty good at reading a room and knowing what people will dance to. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the guarantees are like Uptown Funk and like Cuts the <laughs> yeah. Emotion. Yeah. <laughs> like anything by Paula Abdul. Like, like I know what it will hit with people, but like that's kind of how that went. And like I'm not really doing burlesque that much anymore. I kind of took a step back from that. But I'm still doing private events. I'm doing my first wedding since COVID started uh, a week from now. And like, I'm going to wear a mask. And it's only like, I think it's only like 150 people. And so it should be fun to get behind the ones and twos, as it were, though I mostly just use a laptop. <laughs> um, but like, I also like emceeing. I started hosting burlesque shows. So like, obviously, you can tell I like to talk. So it came pretty easy to me to like help help run those events and do those kinds of things. And, and I love doing it. And I've had more experience on the mixing side of making songs since Fuser came out than beforehand. And like Fuser makes it really easy. Like, yes, I'm a DJ, so I know how to use it, but like, mm -hmm. it's kind of idiot proof, especially in the free play modes. And like, it's just fun. Like I have some really great songs that I've made that I've shared on my Twitter that I'm like, this is just, this just sounds great. And like, if you pull the lyrics out and just mix with the instruments, you can mm -hmm. make your own music essentially, because That's there dope. will be nothing to identify it as like the previous work. Cause typically the lyrics will tip it off. Um, yeah. And I like, it's my music nerdery. I mean, I think what led me to it is like growing up, my dad would listen to his 45s on his record player by laying on the ground with his headphones plugged directly into the the record player and just like lay there listening to music and like when i was young i started i did the same thing with my walkman and then my discman for those who don't know a walkman is like <laughs> have these portable things that held these things called cassette tapes they're like vhs tapes but smaller and they play music sorry it's just i just i, I just no I just remember, no i remember, I remember the first my time first one yep <laughs> 
But like, I remember the first like, time I was like, why would I want to put music on my phone? I have <laughs> oh, yeah. a separate device. What's it's the event. point? Like, I was like, no, I'm going to be carrying around both of these fucking things until I, you know, until I stop. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but like my dad's love of music and he has over like a thousand vinyl records still to this day like his love of music was made me love music in that way and like I've listened to the music the way people watch movies or read books like I will I will sometimes listen to music while doing other things but I will often also like when Halsey's new record just came out I sat down at my computer put on my good headphones and just listened to the album you know and just pictured what I thought the videos would look like listening to the through line the narrative the lyrics um you know, I'm also a very emotional music listener. I make playlists for when I want to cry, when mm-hmm. I don't want to cry, when I need to, like, I'll, I'll share my Spotify profile with you guys. I think you'll really get a kick of some of the playlists I've made. But, like, like the other day, I needed to cry. So I just put on Face My Fears from Kingdom Hearts 3 and, like, weeped like a baby because, like, um, that, that song always gets me. But, like, that's where kind of what coalesced to make me want to do this. And, like, I, growing up also, like, I listened to K-Rock and Z100 here in New York and, like, I was like, oh, disc jockeys, I could do that. I could be on the radio. I could introduce music and stuff. And so, like, it's all kind of born out of that stuff. And and I still get really geeky about it. I don't, I'm not as, when I did my music podcast, which is now on hiatus, because I refuse to say it's over, um, <laughs> I was way more up on new stuff. And also, each of the co-hosts took turns bringing records. And when we had a guest, they would bring a record. And so, like, I listened to so much more music every week when I was doing mm-hmm. that. Now I'm kind of back to listening to my favorites but i still try and like branch out and whenever anyone recommends anything i go check it out um yeah so that was a very long-winded way of saying i started through the burlesque scene (laughs) (laughs) that's really cool i remember when i first started messing with music it was a very visual thing i was in at the art institute in san francisco and i didn't really know how music worked so i did it by like the length of the sample pieces and the colors so i just make a pattern of what i liked and then I would like hit play. This is like in Adobe Premiere, which is not used to make music, but that's no. what I would use. That's great. And like, I love yeah, that. so same. I, I, I grew up, my dad um, has a lot of music. I'm, I'm listening to music right now, actually, as you guys are talking. Like, I can't not listen to music. Like, yeah, I always have it way. going in some form or fashion. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'm the same way. And like, when I hear a game with a really great soundtrack, like, yeah. Like the, I have the original Japanese import Chrono Trigger soundtrack. Again, I say it's one of the best games ever made. Um, but like I have, I have tons of game soundtracks, and like, like I mentioned the Boyfriend Dungeon, Dungeon soundtrack earlier. It's a pop record. Like it's a great soundtrack, and that's a great game. But it's a pop record and sounds great on its own. In fact, my spouse has never played the game, but recognizes the soundtrack because I play it all the time, and like ha- is used to hearing it. But like, yeah, I'm the I'm the same way. I always need to be listening to music. I get physically ill and depressed when I don't listen to music for extended periods of time. Yeah. Like my body yeah. needs it to process um, because sometimes I have trouble f- feeling things, not because I'm not an emotional person, but like sometimes, you know, as anyone who deals with mental il- illness and depression, it's like sometimes you just can't get there to that headspace to like feel mm-hmm. the release. And I often use music to do that a lot yeah. of the time. Like I, I'm uh, sorry, um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's why the recent Bo Burnham comedy special fucked me up. Because he's such a brilliant musical comedian. But the second half of that special where he is writing and singing some pretty depressing or personal stuff, like, ruined me in the best way. So, like, it's just one of those things that, like, I tie music very deeply to who I am. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and I found only recently via Twitter that a lot of people are like that, that like their emotions and their actual mental health is so deeply tied to music. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm I start to get way. too sad, I have to put on ludic- like ludicrous move bitch out the way. Hell yes. I, I had to put on something that's like hyped, right? Hey, remember, sometimes... when, remember when Ludacris was a rapper? Like I yes, love him as an actor. I miss him as a rapper. His he's, lyrics were so hilarious. <laughs> he's such a good actor and I love him, but like I miss his hip hop. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same way. Like, especially like especially if I wake up on a particularly crappy mental health day, and it's like sometimes, like you said, like no matter what you try and do or no matter what you, how you try and tackle the problem or the, or the situation that you're in it, for me, it takes a certain song to kind of break through. Like, I think for me, uh, there's a song called wooden hearts by a band called listener. And mm-hmm. it's like listening to, I've, I don't listen to any other, other stuff. It's like, it's a really, really weird. It's almost more spoken word than it is like, uh, you know, like actual sung music, but like it messes me up every single time. The lyrics are beautifully put together. So like, I think that there's such a, such a special thing about music and especially, you know, with, with live shows or any sort of live music, like it just, I, I always tell, you know, I told my partner before we went to our first concert together. I'm like, concert mat is different than the normal mat. Like where, where we're about to go together, understand that I leave everything at the door and I just, I lose my fucking mind in, in, in that yeah. mosh pit or wherever else that we're going. So like, that's kind of what I, what I wanted to ask as well. I mean, you just recently got out there again for the first time in I imagine a couple of years at least. Mm-hmm. How did that feel to finally get out there and just connect with music in that way again on a, on you know on a scale with a bunch of other people around you? Like how did that feel cuz that must have been awesome. It's great. I mean, you talk about leaving it at the door. Like the highest compliment someone can pay to me without saying a word to me is if I put on a song and you dance to it or sing along to it without saying anything to me, we've made a connection. And like, that's my favorite thing to do. And I've done it a bunch of times and I actually did it. So this past, you're alluding to this past weekend, I DJed a sideshow uh, for the brides who are a uh, fixture at Coney Island and in New York and are my showbiz moms. I love them. They're my favorite lesbians. And um, they did a show for many years called Eat Me that I used to DJ. And so when they, they were finally going back out there to do a show, they asked me if I would DJ. And so I built a playlist for them. The show is called Pixie Grit. It's an all femme show. And so I made an all-fem playlist with K-Flay, Halsey, um, um, oh, now I'm blanking on it, Garbage, uh, Annie Lennox, The Eurythmics, um, you know, all sorts of all-fem bands. And, uh, you know, it was really great. Like, I, you know, it was a small show. We had a good crowd. But, like, my Mm -hmm. favorite thing to do is, like, doing the sound for the show and the theatrics is always great. And I'm good at that. And that's really easy for me. But like building a playlist is fun. And when the producers, in this case, the brides like the playlist, that's another level. But then while I was playing, um, oh, uh, Florence and the Machine is also on there. I was playing uh, Dog Days Are Over from, by nice. Florence and the Machine during the, the pre-show. And one of the performers came out. And while she was walking around, she was smiling and singing the, the lyrics like out loud and like, that kind of shit always makes my night. And so, yeah, it was great. You know, I'm still a little leery and like my spouse is high risk and we're all, we're both vaccinated, but we're also still very overly careful. We wear masks almost all the time when we're out. Mm-hmm. And like, it was this in New York, especially like you have to prove you're vaccinated to go into events like this. So there are no unvaccinated people. Um, 
but it's still a little scary. But ultimately, it was really great to get back out there. I don't know how many live shows I want to do. The Like, I took a step back, as I said, from burlesque. And so I don't know how many more burlesque shows I'm going to do. Um, mm-hmm. It depends on which producer asks at this point. You know, there are folks that I love that I always want to work with. But, like, the brides are people that I've grown so close to. And I, I jokingly, you know, I say they're my showbiz moms, but they are. They're like mother fixtures to me. They always care. And they're really sweet. Um, faux pas la fay and... Um, uh aurora north are their names i realized i hadn't said yet and uh but like if they ask i'll be there because like Mm -hmm. i'm so close to them and they've become such a part of my life um and like i love doing live shows like i said earlier i'm doing i think i said earlier i can't even remember now yes okay good i did mess mess it you know when you do enough stuff it all bleeds together Mm -hmm. and i don't know what i'm saying half the time um i'm really excited to do a new another wedding especially because the couple i know um you know they're friends of mine and so like i'm really you know those are always the people i like doing this kind of stuff for the most because you know i like bringing people joy via music in this like if i recommend an album and someone says i listened to it and i loved it that's the highest compliment i could get beyond anything else because i feel pretty confident in my ability to read people and go you'll like this and mm-hmm. when they do it just it, it sends me to the moon it's my favorite thing Oh, I love it. I love it so much. So to kind of to kind of wrap up this discussion before we headed to news, what I kind of wanted to ask, just to kind of close things out, what are your kind of biggest hopes and dreams for the future? Where where do you want to take things like side quests? Where do you want to take? Where where do you see? Like, what do you want to do next? What's what's next for you? <laughs> what a great question. Uh, I mean, I'm doing so much already. I mean, what I would really love is to make a full time career out of producing podcasts. You know, I do get paid to produce. I produce. Shut up, Evan. <clears throat> which is a paid gig and Evan Ross Katz is a dream to work with. And I love him. Um, I don't pay myself shit. I'm a terrible boss to myself. <laughs> um, that's not true. I pay myself in video games. It's fine. It works. There you go. Um, but like, I would love to be able to produce podcasts as a full-time gig. I would also love to be able to um, pay the, my co-hosts and make money from my shows. You know, the audiences are constantly growing and like, you mentioned it earlier. I've I've interviewed Yuri Lowenthal not once but twice on Funny Games, which is wild to me. He's one of my favorite voice actors, and so my favorite. And the second time he asked us, he was like, "Hey, can I come back on the show?" Because he'd come on right before the PlayStation State of Play, where they announced Spider Man Two, and right uh-huh. before the new He Man show that he's the voice of Prince Adam and He Man for came out. And so, like on that first episode, he's like, "And there's so many things I want to talk about, but I can't yet." And so, like, right after that state of play, he emailed me the next day. Hey, can I come back on? And I was like, hell yeah, you can. Awesome. Um, which is great. And he's a delight. He's one of the sweetest people I've ever spoken to. But, like, we had Grant Kirkhope on our podcast. Grant Kirkhope is one of the most famous video game f- composers. He's the voice of Donkey Kong. Like, just a delightful, sweet human and, like, was on our show. Like, we've had so many great guests. <clears throat> and the show has evolved over the years. I think my dream for the future of all the shows that I do is that I can make some money just to pay the people who are working on them. Like, I don't even care if I can't pay myself. I want to pay my co-hosts. I want to pay, you know, and we all understand like we're doing it, you know, together and like it's for the camaraderie and like certain POV helps provide, you know, an audience and outreach and all of that kind of stuff. But like, if I could really make some money from it, like I would love to. And like, there's this, illusion that podcasting is like easy and that you make bank but that's because when you're a celebrity like conan o'brien who don't get me wrong i love but he's my go-to punching bag also because it happened recently like people are like conan o'brien is changing the face of podcasting podcasting is here to stay and it's like he just started doing it and the reason he has an audience is because he did several 
famous talk shows for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, and I love his show and he's funny and like, I love his guests, but like there's this, this misconception that podcasting is just easy and you get sponsors and you make a ton of money and like, there's no work involved. And like, if you're just the host and you don't do anything else, sure, probably, but that's not how most podcasters are. Usually one of the hosts is the producer. One of the hosts is, you know, doing um, a ton of the connecting and, and meeting people. And like one thing I will say that I've accomplished in just this past year, that's been great is right before the shutdown, I went to PAX East and it was a blast. I hadn't been in many years. I went to the first few and then I, I didn't get to go. And mm-hmm. I was on my first panel at the last PAX East. We, we rated, we uh, rated the bio, lo- bio love interest between Dragon Age and, and Mass Effect. So it was all's <laughs> fair and love and Bioware. Um, That's and it, amazing. It, and it was a great panel. And I was with folks like Jesse Vitelli and Ken Shepard and Leanna Rupert and Morgan Shaver. And like, you know, I met a lot of those folks for the first time. I've developed really close friendships with a lot of them and other folks that I met at that show and like now I'm working with several PR firms getting codes for games so I can interview game developers and creators and producers and like those accomplishments I never thought I would get to and the fact that I got there means there's more growing to do but I can do it and like you know I'm really excited and hope in the future that I don't think I can make any more new shows I think I'm at my limit for hosting but you know who knows I've I've said stupider things in the past but like <laughs> I really hope that I get to a place where I, if I like people don't, there's this bad juju around selling out. If Microsoft came to me tomorrow and said, we want to buy fun and games and we'll sponsor some Microsoft focused stuff, but you could still do what you do. Give me that check, daddy. I want it. Like I want to get into the machine so I can Mm -hmm. change it from the inside. Right now I'm trying to change it from the outside, but just like what Khalif was talking about in the, in the previous episode, it's like, you're, you want to change the world the best you can, and you're going to do it however you can, whether it's from the inside, from the outside, making strides, and it's never good enough. Like, I am as confident as I will be in this moment, but I can, st- I still know I can do better and, and be better. And, like, I'm inclusive, but I wasn't always. <clears throat> I was an idiot kid once. You know, I was, you know... I said stupid shit that I shouldn't say. Like we all make those mistakes, but I've learned at an early age and I've still made racist, sexist, homophobic mistakes, you know, misgendering people because you have to learn. You can't, you're just not magically not racist ever again. It's ingrained in our society for so long. And so like my ultimate goal is to continue to try and be a better person. I know how high and mighty that sounds, but it's true. Like I just want to do better whenever I can. And it's not easy, but I want to do the work. And I don't want Mm -hmm. people to have to do the work for me by telling me when I've said something wrong. I I appreciate when people do, but I should also know better. And I'm always learning and always striving. As a white man, we all should be. Full stop. Blanket Mm -hmm. statement above and beyond anyone else. There are problem areas everywhere, but like we are at, if we make the change, the rest will follow. So. All right, I'll get off my soapbox yeah, now. No, I no. say that all the time. <laughs> yep. No, that, that was, was perfect. And don't feel bad. Like, don't don't say like you don't want to be high and mighty. Like, honestly, that it's the truth. Like, overall, it's the truth. And um, I think I, one thing I wanted to say is I think if somebody corrects you, um, even though you feel like you should know better, just like you said, you don't always know better. Mm-hmm. So I think always being open to that conversation, to that discussion is a learning, you know, is a learning curve. And and it is a learning curve because I have definitely said some things um, that I didn't realize was bad. Like, I I think I said the other day, like a a blind play, 
Yeah. And then it was like, oh, we're not saying that anymore. And I was like, oh, I didn't know we weren't saying it. Like, cut that out. So it's yeah. it's a learning curve for everybody. But um, as long as you're open to it and you don't get fucking defensive when somebody tells you, like, mm-hmm. hey, like, that's not cool, then I, I think you're doing the work. So, yeah. Well said. I'm not even, I can't even really add anything to that because both of you said it so perfectly. So, guys, make sure you go follow Matt and all the things and all of his amazing work that he's doing because... I'm telling you, you're going to do it. You're going to be the biggest podcast producer in the game, and I cannot wait to see it happen. I'm Thank banking you. it right now. <laughs> uh, let's let's jump over to some news. Uh, we're going to start with some Animal Crossing. We touched on the story last week uh, where both Destiny and I were kind of like, nothing can bring us back. I'm here to eat my words. Um, I'm going to be reading from Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer. Animal Crossing New Horizons gets a final enormous update in November. Uh, okay, available on November 5th, it will contain a bumper crop of new features, improvements, and fan-requested quality-of-life tweaks you probably wish you had a year ago. Brewster is in it, as in is your favorite fan-favorite captain, along dozens of other improvements and additions all detailed below. So I'm not going to get into the full list because there is quite a lot. There's like, you, you know, you can go over to the, the roost now and get below. some coffee. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And they also went on to announce their first and perhaps only paid expansion uh which is the happy home paradise which you'll be able to like go and like design different homes and stuff you can get make a bunch of money to be able to do stuff i'm kind of amped on this like there's been this little voice in the back of my mind being like play animal crossing even though i haven't touched it in forever Uh, and i literally just sacrificed my island right before the oled came because i sold my switch to be able to get the oled and i was kind of like i don't care anymore whatever like i'm not gonna and then the direct happened i'm like i'm like oh, <laughs> god damn it now i have to start all over again but that's kind of part of the fun um d we kind of said that like there isn't that much that's going to bring us back do you feel differently after the direct after now that we know the free expansion is coming and the thing you look super excited so i want i want to hear about your feelings pay 50 dollars or whatever just to go design other people's houses the fuck no <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what about you? I am I am amped. Like I so I like everyone else during the early days of the pandemic saw Animal Crossing coming out and was like, I want to relax. That looks relaxing. And so I bought mm-hmm. it and I fell in love with it. And I hung out with my friends on it and played it a lot. And then I fell off. And like it happens with every Animal Crossing game I try and play. I always fall off. But I got pretty I like I I got towards the end of the progression, if not the end of it. And like I enjoyed it and I liked hanging out with my friends. Um, I would hang out, I would like watch my friends' streams and like hang out with them on their stream, which was fun. I did that with Cypher of Tear a few times, which was a blast. Um, I've done it with Urban Bohemian as well. Uh, and so like, I like the game. And then I was like, but you know, I was where you guys were last week. Uh, and I was like, mm, I don't know. And then I saw this, this direct and like, it's funny because my friend Jesse, uh, who I mentioned earlier, also watched the direct and I didn't see it live. I watched it at the end of the day. And like, as I'm watching it, I'm just freaking out more and more. Like I love coffee and I love Brewster. And so like, I was excited about that. Also like when Animal Crossing came out, I also bought like nine of the Amiibos at once, really cheap. Nice. Uh, uh, Kohl's had a ton of them for really cheap. And so I bought them, but you couldn't really use them with anything because none of them were the townspeople. They were all like the shopkeepers and like, you know, actual major folks in the, in the narrative as it were. But now with Brewsters, you can invite them over for coffee and like you can design homes for them. And so like, I'm really excited about it. Also like, and I know we're going to get to this in a minute. I'm excited about the extra Switch Online stuff. And so if this is included in the Switch Online stuff, which I'm going to get anyway, then I'm all for it. Like, let's do it. But like, I'm excited to go back to it. Um, 
someone in the games industry, Rebecca Valentine, who works over at AG, IGN, who is a friend of mine, like I immediately tweeted at her. I'm like, I'm so, in like all caps. I'm so excited. Can we get coffee? And she's like, yes. Like, it's <laughs> That's just, so cute. Yeah, like we're just hyped. And so like, I'm, I'm also like Mass Effect nerd. I have an N7 hoodie in the game, you know, that I made for myself. I have like a bunch of art on the wall of like pixelated versions of like my friends and like video game like i have magus on my wall from from chrono trigger and stuff so like yeah i'm excited to jump back in you know i I don't know how long i'll stick i I don't know how long i'll stick with it though but like i'm excited to at least try and get back into it so so to kind of what matt alluded to and what may ease destiny's destiny's apprehension a little bit jumping over to the next uh (laughs) news article matt wales over at Eurogamer once again writes nintendo switches online premium tier service launches this month following its reveal last month nintendo has finally announced launch and pricing details for its nintendo switch online plus expansion pack service service which will go live on october 26th the premium tier has all the stuff that the base does but now adding in genesis and n64 games while also while also adding in the animal crossing expansion into the price of you know of subscriptions. So for anybody who's unaware, the price, the base price for a year is going up from $19.99 to $49.99. Yes, that is a massive increase. Let's get up right in front of it. That's it's ridiculous how much more they're charging. While the family uh, family uh, family subscription, I think, is going up from $39 or $29 up to like $79. So again, yeah. a big jump. Now, Destiny. You and I are on the family plan together, yeah, we are. along with a, a whole bunch of other our other friends. <laughs> so here is the point, and here is the thing. And I've seen some, you know, some apprehension about this kind of going back and forth. People are saying if you buy the expansion, if you buy in at the expansion plus, which again I acknowledge is a lot of fucking money for what they're offering. And you know, year one, I kind of said I'm comfortable with year one because of the Animal Crossing expansion. Once we buy it in the in the you know in the family plan, everybody has access to it, so we don't all need to buy it. We, just, we have to buy it together as a family, and we'll all get access to it. Year two is dependent on what they do for for the rest of the year for me. If they do start adding more games to the service, if they do add, start adding more like Game Boy and Game Boy Advance, and you know, pop, you know, hopefully we eventually get to fucking GameCube, <laughs> like that will start to make the price worth it for me. But I'm going to bounce the fuck off if they don't do that by the end of the first year. Destiny now knowing that you. We can all split the cost together in this family plan to be able to play N64 Genesis and Animal Crossing. Does that make you any more likely to jump in? Yeah, we have a lot of people in the family. So I'm saying. now it's gone down dramatically. Yeah, exactly. So, it's going to be yeah, like 10 bucks yeah. each. I'm, I'm down to pay $10. I just know I don't want to pay 50 because I know how I am with games and I fall off very quickly. Like I'll be mm-hmm. excited for like maybe a week like oh yeah this is so new and then i'll be like oh it's the same thing over and over again that's why i can't play the sims it's just not it's just not for me i get excited Mm. at the beginning and then i kind of fall off but now i want to see your island my island has not changed in so long and i'm afraid to log on because i know i have roaches now and everybody's (laughs) like where have you been the fuck you been (laughs) yeah i I have anxiety i don't want to deal with it i haven't seen my boyfriend eric in a long time (laughs) He's gonna be upset. He's probably cheated on me or whatever. But um, <laughs> he's just been no. If it's only free. like ten dollars, yeah, I'll do it. But fifty, yeah. no. Yeah, and then you got the N sixty four and Genesis stuff. What about I'm you, excited Matt? for the Genesis stuff. Right, I'm excited for the N sixty four stuff. I can finally play Ocarina. What about you, Matt? Does and again the pricing? I know it's a big jump. Where are your feelings at at it? I mean, the pricing is a big jump, but like I have a family plan that we're paying for, which is me, my spouse, and a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. It's less than ten dollars a month. Like. 
that's not that expensive. Uh, yeah. You know, and I get that financial stuff is different for every person. And so it might be expensive. But to me, at least, that's not that expensive. But like here, like I have issues. Like, the, like I love Nintendo. I am the biggest Nintendo fanboy you will meet. But I am also a realist. And like they have done nothing with their online service. And mm-hmm. like I still can't message my friends on my friends list. I can't nickname my friends so I remember who everyone is on my friends list. Like basic shit that all the other services have. That mm-hmm. said, I loved playing Splatoon 2 online. I'm looking forward to Splatoon 3. Um, I'm, I love the N64 and I love the Genesis, but I just bought the Genesis Ultimate Collection on Switch digitally like less than a year ago, so, like, which has more games than this service will have. Still no love for freaking Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which drives me goddamn crazy. The best game in the franchise. Um, but uh, Knuckles is my homeboy. Like, I love Knuckles. He's my guy. Like, the yep. best. Um, and can I not tell... I cannot tell you how excited I am that Ildris Elba is going to play Knuckles in the right? little Sonic movie. He's so sexy. Right? I'm... So, oh, my God. I'm not ready to be sexually attracted to Knuckles, <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm going to go with it. If, I'm yeah. a, if I find I'm a just furry let it happen. This, yeah, just I'm just going to let it happen. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, I think that... And I like the N64. A lot of it hasn't aged well, but, like, I, I did an episode of Side Quest on Super Mario 64. It changed gaming for me and for the industry. And so, like... Mm-hmm. Like, there are important games on there that I'm going to be excited to play. But also games like Mario Kart are absolutely useless with Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the best the franchise has ever been. Mm-hmm. With the exclusion of Double Dash, which they're never going to do you. again. Thank they're nev- you. They're never going to do it. But, like, you know, they're not giving enough for it. I do think, though, I have a theory that I'm stealing from a friend of mine, Eric Van Allen. I'll shout him out just in case he listens. Um, that if they add like the Splatoon 2 DLC, which I never bought, or like maybe the Mario and Rabbids DLC, which I never bought, mm-hmm. um, even though I loved Mario and Rabbids, um, I only finished that recently. Like if they add other Nintendo DLCs to this service, which I think they might, that would make the price way more worth it. Because if they say, hey, you don't have to buy first party Nintendo DLC anymore with this service or less of them, mm-hmm. that would be really worth it to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, like, but also, like, I again, back to my being annoyed with Nintendo. We've had Super Nintendo Online for so long. No Chrono Trigger, no Final Fantasies, no Super Mario RPG. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm glad that these games that not a lot of people play are getting getting some play. And like, I, all of Donkey Kong Country is on there. But like, I want those classic. Those are my SNES games. Like, I love those games, and they're still not on it. And even some Nintendo games that I love still not on it. And like, I think their marketing. I mean, we know this about Nintendo. They're marketing, they're online plans, and they're like extras outside of the games themselves. And their support have not been great. You know, yeah. Mario Maker 2 is not a game that I'm interested in, but it, it I love watching other people make stuff in that. And like, they mm-hmm. barely supported it. Like, and, you know, Smash Brothers Ultimate, great. So glad Sora's coming to Smash. Love Kingdom Hearts. The online for Smash Brothers is terrible. Like, yep. unless I'm playing on a Discord call with my friends and we're, like, organizing how we play together, it's a nightmare. Did and you like, see that uh, Twitter clip of, like, the official Nintendo Smash Ultimate tournament that was going on and they disqualified, disqualified like, one or two times in the final match? Yeah. Like, it's even in their own stuff. Like, that's that's how bad it is. Yeah. 
It's it's um, wild. And so like that's why it's hard to want to pay for the service. But because it's not that expensive and I'm paying for all the other services, I have Game Pass, I have PS Plus, like mm-hmm. but like at least with PS Plus, like I'm getting free games and a lot of them that I wouldn't have played without the free games. And like Game Pass on PC is just a damn steal. Like it's just crazy to me like yep. what you get for that. Like I played half the Yakuza franchise because I had because I had Game Pass. Like mm-hmm. you know. And I just feel like Nintendo's not keeping up with those, but they're never going to give away free new games. Like, I just don't think that's a thing Nintendo's ever going to go and do. But like, instead of Genesis and N64, I would have loved Game Boy Advanced and, uh, and, um, you know, Game Boy Color or just Game Mm -hmm. Boy. Like I recently bought an EverDrive. For those who don't know what an EverDrive is, EverDrive makes these cartridges that essentially function as emulators that you can plug into the original consoles. And in anticipation for Dread, I really wanted to play Zero Mission and Fusion again. I wanted Mm. to play Wario Land 4, the greatest platformer ever made. You know, all of these games. And I was like, but I don't want to emulate them on my computer. It's not the same. Like, I did it for a few and like, you know, or I didn't emulate them. Someone else that I know did, Nintendo. Right, yeah. Um, Uh But like, (laughs) In anticipation, I was like, you know what? If I can get my hands on an SP, I'll buy the EverDrive because I'll have the Nintendo SP. And resellers were selling them for hundreds of dollars. And it's like, I get that they're rare and out of print, but like, come on. And then my co-host Jeff found one for, you know, just 80 bucks, I think. And so he bought it. I bought the EverDrive. And so like now I'm playing a, a ton of my favorite GBA games, but I would love to have those games on the Switch. They just released that Castlevania Game Boy Advance collection. Mm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. so excited to have that. Those games are great. Um, you know, I just got reunited with my childhood copy of Pokemon Yellow that my nephew had because nice. he found it. My nephew found it in my father's car, his poppy's car. And my dad went, I guess it was your Uncle Matt's. Ask him. He wanted to keep it. And so he messaged me. He doesn't have a Game Boy. He still doesn't have a Game Boy. He's like, and this was many years ago. He's like, Uncle Matt, can I have this copy of Pokemon Yellow? I just, I want to have it. And I was like, Uh sure, yeah. And then very recently, we've been texting. He's now a teenager with a girlfriend and driving. It's very weird. I feel very old. (laughs) But still loves games. Um, uh, I texted him and I was like, hey, I know you have my copy of Pokemon Yellow. I know you don't have a Game Boy. Do you think I could borrow it for a while? I got my hands on a Game Boy Advanced SP and would love to replay it. He's like, yeah, sure. Um, Yeah. Just really quick, I want to share that the reason my nephew, I'm convinced at least, likes video games is because while he was still in my sister-in-law's belly, I said to my brother and my sister-in-law, I want to buy him his first video game console. This is before I knew I was going to have multiple uh, nibblings. But like I said, when Ethan is born, I want to buy him his first video game system whenever he asks for it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, sure. And during the Wii generation is when he asked. He was, I think, probably four or five. It's like, I want video games. And they called me up to the plate and I bought him the Wii that him and his his uh, his sibling Addison play all the time. And like it 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 just it warms my heart that he now has a PS5. He play, you know, he loves Persona 5 is one of his favorite games of all time. And like I love him. Like he we play <laughs> my favorite was when he first got the Wii and like Smash Brothers that was brawl came out for it. He's like, he started playing it with his friends. He's like, Oh, uncle Matt, you want to play some smash brothers? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he didn't have the GameCube <laughs> controller. So I had to learn the Wiimote and the nunchuck. Oh he's like, God. he's like, Oh, I'm kicking your ass. What's happening. And I was like, uh huh. And like a few, like he beat me a few times. And then I started beating him. And at one point he'd been quiet for a while. And his sibling goes, what's the matter, Ethan? Why are you so quiet? <laughs> it's because I was mopping <laughs> the floor with him and he had nothing to say. Um, but like, I love being able to do that. And like, the Nintendo, Nintendo to bring it back around. The Nintendo Switch is giving us an opportunity to do that again, but the ways they're limiting it 
feels nonsensical to just about anybody else. And so that like I'm emulating Game Boy Advance games because otherwise I have to pay $80 for a copy of Metroid Fusion and I refuse. Mm -hmm. Give yeah. me a way to give you $5, Nintendo, and I will buy Metroid Fusion for the fifth time. I don't care, but like, give me a way to do it, and they just don't. And yeah. this online system is part of that kind of cockeyed way of doing things. But ultimately, mm -hmm. lo very long answer short, I will probably still buy it anyway. Yeah, I really hope we get more support from it over the course of the next year because I feel like a lot of people will drop off if they don't. But to go over to the last story because we need to touch on this, DC Fandom just happened over the weekend and we got a whole bunch of information about new DC movies, TV shows, and most importantly, we got two trailers for a couple new games. We got our first real look at Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, coming from Rocksteady, and we got another look at Gotham Knights, which of course is going to have uh, you know a bunch of different you know, uh, Bat Family playable as you can do a co-op and stuff. Uh, I thought the Suicide Squad trailer looked dope. I thought they really nailed a lot of the humor. Gotham Knights, I'm still not completely sold on, but we'll, we'll see how I come around to it. Uh, Destiny, did you have a chance to, to see either one of these DC-focused trailers? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you possibly excited about a Suicide Squad or uh, Gotham Knights game? I don't know. I need yeah. to. I need to. I need to see the. I. I didn't see any of the Suicide Squad movies. I didn't really see care the second about. one. It's incredible. Is the second one really good? I heard. It's good. I Don't heard watch the first like, one. Don't watch okay, the first yeah, one. Okay, yeah, because I heard a lot of shit about the first one. So maybe after I see the movie, I'll get really excited about it. Um, mm -hmm. But so far, I'm just kind of like, you know, it's really hit or miss with me. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So especially because. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel. I feel that. What about you, Matt? Are you stoked on Suicide Squad or uh, Gotham Knights or both? I mean, if you couldn't tell by my Venom conversation earlier, I'm kind of a giant comic book nerd. Um, so I am. I'm excited for both of them. I I actually recently replayed the entire Arkham franchise and played Arkham Origins for the first time, which I'd skipped. And I will go to bat that it's one of the best of the Batman games, even though it doesn't have a lot of the things that the other ones do. Um, mm -hmm. But like, so I'm excited for Suicide Squad because it's continuing in that world. Yeah. Um, and like, I like the Suicide Squad. I loved the new movie. I like the characterization. I'm a little bummed that the trailer had zero gameplay because really gameplay mm -hmm. is going to make or break it. But the writing seems on point. Um, and also, I think her name is Deborah Williams. Um, she was also in the newer, the the um, not the Last Jedi, the Fallen Order. But she is playing um, Amanda Waller, and she is dope. She comes from like Mad TV way, way back in the day, and she's great. And having this like, voice TV. actor renaissance, and like. So the fact that she's Amanda Waller sold me on it immediately. Um, but yeah, I, and then Gotham Knights, I'm kind of in the same place as you. Like it looks more serious and I like some of their serious stories and I'm curious about the Court of Owls. But like it's a different universe. It's it's still, I think Batman's dead in that universe too, but it's not mm -hmm. a continuation. And so like I'll try it probably, but like I need more gameplay from both games before I can really decide. Um, yep. But, like, I, I, I'm excited about Suicide Squad because also I like comedy games. Like, it's why I still want to give the Guardians game a chance when it comes out. Yeah. Because, Me like, e even though I wasn't sold 100% on the gameplay, if I have fun playing it, games can just be okay, guys. Yes. Like, we can just, <laughs> games can just be – sorry, I'm on so many soapboxes this episode. No. <laughs> games, yeah. games can just be okay, and that's okay. Like, I like a, yep. a, a, an okay game is fine. And, like, if I have fun playing Guardians, I'm going to be really stoked about it because that's all I yeah. kind of really want out of that. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that they'll be fun. I was hyped on a lot of the stuff from DC Fandom. I'm excited about the Batman. I'm excited mm-hmm. about the Flash movie. I'm excited about um, uh, Black Adam because I really loved Shazam. Oh, I'm, lo- I'm really, I, I just, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. ooh. <laughs> also, like, um, like, I don't know if this controversial take or not, but hiring Aldous Hodge as Hawkman is perfect casting, and I'm here for it. I love him in in um, Leverage, and so like him as Hawkman, you got my money. But like, I'm also excited. Like, look, DC has been hit or miss lately, but like, I I love Shazam. Shazam is one of the best kids comic book movies to ever come out. I have a soft spot for Zach, uh, Zachary Levi because uh, I once had a lightsaber fight with him. It's a long story. Um, but like, you know, it's it, it's just I, I want them to have fun. It's why I liked Venom before, right? It's why I like the new Suicide Squad. And it looks like some of the newer stuff is going to be more fun. And then the Batman is going to be a detective story, which mm-hmm. is only I feel like Batman Begins and sort of the Dark Knight got to mm. do a little. But like this is going to do all of that. Also, I've been singing Robert Pattinson's praises since long after Twilight. So to see him get in the spotlight and do a great job, I'm excited for also like Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. It's like like that dude's been having a renaissance. He's been everything. He was Uatu in the in new What If series. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just I'm hyped for all that stuff. I just want this stuff to be fun and good. Yep. Like that's it. That's it. That's yep. all I want. I don't want to argue about. I don't want to argue about Zack Snyder anymore. Oh god, him. <laughs> like he suffered a tragedy, and I'm sorry that he went through that. It's terrible and all of that. But like also fuck him and fuck his fans. So, mm-hmm. and I watched I just... and didn't hate the his his cut of the Justice League, but it was better than something way worse. So. It, wasn't much yeah. of a mouth. <laughs> I just feel like we need to go back and like just enjoy movies. Kind of like when Tim Burton did like his Batman series. Yes. Like people weren't like so like critical. And I was like, yeah, because it's supposed to be entertaining and people are taking like I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take your comic book characters and your favorite like creator seriously, but like come the fuck on. Like don't Have ruin it for everybody. It. It's yeah. it's they're not trying to win Academy Awards here. Mm-hmm. Let you know? people enjoy things. Yeah, let them enjoy yeah. it. Literally, Especially, let people enjoy things. Especially, we have this uh, new trend of you know big name directors shitting on comic book movies as a way to promote their new movies. It's kind of like just let people have fucking have fun. God, These movies yeah. are what they're. These movies are Haters. going to be. Yeah, they're going to be what they're going to be. They're going to continue to make a massive amount of money. I just got my Eternals tickets yesterday. I'm very excited. Let people get stoked. Let people have fun. And I hope I hope DC comes back to bat more because similarly, loved Shazam. Really, really liked Birds of Prey. Yes. Um, th- Birds of Prey is a perfect movie. Yes. And that there's, there's... soundtrack, that soundtrack, fucking flawless from start to finish. So good. Sorry. So good. Yeah. No. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping that we can see some gameplay soon. Um, because, yeah, I'm excited for DC because they mm-hmm. kind of like fell off a little bit and everybody was praising Marvel. But like, I think now that they're kind of stepping away from we want everything to be dark and brooding and they are bringing in a little like humor and being more light. Yeah. Because we definitely need that right now. Like yeah. COVID mm-hmm. like really fucked us up. And it's yeah. still fucking us up. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that they continue to get gas. But that brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, Matt, where can people find you if they want to see more from you? Uh, so, first, I just want to thank you both for having me. This has been a delight. Aww. I love the work that y'all are doing. Don't stop. Please bring me back sometime because I've had such a good time. 100%. With Absolutely. Y'all. And um, I'm sorry that I didn't get to miss your – I didn't get to meet your third sometimes co-host. I hope that, I hope, <laughs> I hope that he's doing well. I, I hope he's doing well. Um, but, uh, goldfish. 
but uh but you can find me the best place to interact with me is on twitter dj underscore storm again if you want to follow me on twitch i'm also dj underscore storm again instagram dj underscore storm again sensing a pattern finally <laughs> branding after many years um i'm also on facebook.com slash storm again nyc um, but if all of that is too hard to remember, just go to www.djstormageddon.com. You'll find literally everything there. I believe if you Google Matt A.K. Stormageddon, I should come up as well. Um, that's where you can find my, all of my podcasts, my Kofi, my merch store. Um, I have hoodies. I just. Have I was hoodies. about to ask you. Uh, this is my logo. This is my logo. It was designed for my my for autographs early days, and now I use it in a bunch of stuff. We have hoodies with this logo in a variety of colors. Just love saying. it. I'm love coming. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm roughing it already. Let's, I love let's it. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, that's the best place to find me. And then, like, you can find all of my podcasts on literally every podcast platform. I make it my mission when a new platform launches <laughs> to make sure it's there. So we are everywhere. You can just look them up. But again, djstormageddon.com is the best place to find everything. Perfect. And thank you so much for coming. We are obviously going to have you back on in the future. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We've had so much fun tonight. I know we both did. So please join us again in the future because it's been way too much fun. That brings us to the end, everyone. Make sure you go follow Matt at djstormageddon. Find all of his amazing stuff. Destiny, thank you again for joining me. Matt, thanks again for coming on. For Team team Burnout and for Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. So I don't want to interrupt the flow, but I want to call attention to like, I'm not seeing my voice on my bar. And so I don't know if it's capturing and I'd much rather call that out now. Nine minutes in to make sure that it's capturing. I'm seeing your wavelengths. Perfect. I'm seeing you um, too. Yeah. Cool. Great. Then so, you yeah, can so edit this part out or leave it in because I'm an idiot. But I just, <laughs> yeah. as no, an audio producer, yeah, I, no. I saw that and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. I can see your wavelengths. We're all good. Perfect. Uh,